Hey guys, welcome to church. Hope everybody's doing good so far today. We've, we've watched Laura come a long way, have we not? We've watched Laura start from not even sure that she even wanted to be associated with anything to do with what resembled something that we call church or Jesus or, uh, or, or people like Christians, people that say one thing sometimes and has the connotation in society that does the other. She, she's come from those kinds of questions to not just investing in this herself and starting to grow herself, but now she's at the point, she's kind of at the other end of the spectrum to where she's actually helping somebody else grow. She's actually asking somebody else to invest and being willing uh, to, to help along themselves. And, and I, I, there's a big difference in where she's, where she's come from to where she is now. She, she's not only come from seeking, but now she's in that role of kind of spiritual parenthood, where she's actually helping parent somebody else along. There's a big difference, is there not? Spiritual parents are something way different than maybe somebody who's just started or somebody who's an infant in Christ, maybe a teen in Christ, as we've been talking about through this series. Um, there is a, a guy I know who, uh, he, he's an adult. I want to show you a picture of him. His name is uh, John. Everybody say, hey, John. John's actually a really good friend of mine. He, he's an adult here. This is several years back. He is uh, young and free. In fact, he's got a, a good-looking woman in the background that he was courting at the time. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a young and free guy. He's an adult. He is productive. In fact, he has a job. He's paying his bills. Um, he helps people that are in need around him. He's what you would call a healthy adult. Then later, uh, he, he got married to that girl in the background. You can't see her face right now. Uh, he, he got married, and they said, you know, they probably weren't going to have kids, and if they did, it would be a very uh, kind of a not-now thing. He was in his upper 30s when he got married, so he wasn't sure they were going to have kids at all. Um, I want to show you a picture of him a, few, uh, a couple years after this picture was taken. This is him uh, carrying all his baby supplies, um, and I don't know if you can see the, the look on his face, but he, he just looks stressed, does he not? <laughs> does he, he, he looks a little bit, he's happy on the inside, but on the outside, he's, he's having a time. Truth of the matter is, and I know him, truth of the matter is, he couldn't be happier right here. And for those of you who are parents in the room, you know uh, that it is extremely difficult sometimes to be a parent, but the rewards far outweigh the struggle, do they not? Some days you don't think so. Some days you actually think, you know what, I wonder what life would... Then you get quickly like, no, I could never, I, I could never do that. Um, th there's difficulty when it comes to being a parent. You drive them around to appointments that aren't yours, <laughs> they're theirs, you, you you, they get a little older, you're taking them to play ball, you're taking them to, to do all kinds of things, you're spending money on them that you didn't even think you had, uh, you're helping them when they're in a jam. Uh, listen to this one, you have long talks with your kids where you pour your hearts out and just hope and pray that they grasp just an inkling of what you're saying. Does that, does that sound true? There, there was a four-year-old boy uh, one time that I heard, he, was, he asked his dad a question about God, and the dad he was like ready to, to kind of jump in here, but he started sweating. He was like, I need to say something intelligent or something that, you know, resembles the Bible so that my son will look at his dad and think that I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere close, right? And so he starts pouring his heart out and the best words he knows how to use to his four-year-old little boy who is looking intently at his dad. And he's telling him this and he's telling him that and he, he sees his son's really tuning in. And when he gets done with this, I don't know, four-minute dissertation on whatever it was his son asked him about, he said, now, son, do you understand that? Do you have any questions? And the little boy said, yes, sir, I do. He said, would it hurt if an alligator bit you? <laughs> you know, just come. <laughs> so, 
Sometimes you explain away and you think they're getting it and you realize quickly their minds are somewhere else. But parents still pour their hearts out, right? I mean, you do these things because you're a parent. And the funny part is, as hard as it is and as difficult as it is and sometimes as, uh, as, as frustrating as it can be, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Because that's what being a parent is. There, is. there is a love that you can't put words to, a love that you can't explain, um, that when you're a parent, you, you have this inside of you, and you wouldn't trade it for anything. Here's John uh, a few years later, after that picture was taken, and that's him with his little boy. Uh, he thinks he's the happiest dad around, but he's not. I am. And maybe if you're listening to this or sitting in the room today, you probably think that you are if you're, if you're a dad. But, but the fact is, is that he's truly happy. A better word is he's truly joyful. He's got something on the inside that is, that is beautiful. Because the fact is, is that the blessing of knowing that you're not only doing well for yourself, but you're helping somebody else along, you can't beat that. You can't beat being a parent. The satisfaction you, you, know, you can only get by being a parent, it, it's, it's, it's unmatchable. And I just want to tell you, the same is true in our spiritual journey. In our spiritual journey, when we become spiritual parents and have the opportunity to take what we know and help somebody else along. We've been in this series called Journey of Life, and the whole premise of this is, is that following Jesus is not a, de- a decision that you make at one time. Um, in fact, you started a journey once you make that decision, and you're fully devoted when you start, but being fully mature is something you do as you go along, as you grow. And we've identified five stages of growth, of spiritual growth um, in this journey with God. Um, starting out from the seeker stage when you're asking questions about the faith, and then when you cross that line of faith and you're an infant in Christ and you have questions and you have, uh, you're joyful at times, but you also have some questions, moving into kind of a teen stage or an adolescent stage in, in Christ as you grow, and then eventually an adult stage. Uh, today we're talking about being a, a spiritual parent. Um, but we have to understand that, that part of being a Christian is committing to grow. Did you hear what I said? Part of being a Christian... In fact, a huge part is committing to grow. It's saying that I not only am making a decision to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, but I understand that 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 has implications of me not just staying where I'm at, but I am committing to grow to full maturity. Now, committing to grow means this. It means I am at the appropriate level of development for whatever stage that I'm in. I am at the appropriate level of development for whatever stage I am in. So that kind of takes out the, hey, I'm going to compare myself to you, or you're going to compare yourself to me, or it's not about that. It's about, am I fully mature? Well, what stage are you in, and are you fully mature for that stage that you're in? So we're going to talk about the parent stage today. Spiritual parenthood has challenges, but it has far greater blessings than you could ever imagine. In the natural world, if we think about just natural parent, we've seen parents, unfortunately, that get kids taken away from them because they don't do what they're supposed to do as parents. In fact, they, they don't take parenthood seriously at all, and sometimes people have to get involved, um, and kids actually end up being taken away because of a parent's lack of ability or lack of willingness to give the ch- children what they need. In the spiritual world, it's, it's a tragedy uh, when parents settle for something less, when spiritual parents forget that God calls us not just to grow, but the purpose of us growing is to help and develop other people around us. In, in the spiritual world. And, and what's interesting about this, if you think about the natural, kind of the natural makeup of people as human beings, we have within our DNA just the natural wiring to want to reproduce ourselves. We, we do. We want babies. <laughs> that sounds weird, doesn't it? We want babies. We want to raise them. Uh, we, we, we do. It's ingrained in our DNA. People try to get pregnant all the time. 
You know, they, they do. And if that doesn't work, sometimes people look at uh, other means, in vitro fertilization, or they'll adopt, uh, whatever it takes. But, and there's blessing in all those options. Um, I was talking to a couple recently who were trying to have kids, and they came to a pastor, and they said, will you pray for us to get pregnant? I mean, they, they want to get pregnant. In our DNA, we want kids. There is something in us, whether we want to admit it on the outside, uh, we want to raise other people. We want to reproduce ourselves. Uh, in fact, we're hardwired for it. In the very beginning, um, the first command that God gave after creating Adam and Eve, he said this, he says, be fruitful and multiply. He gave this command to be fruitful and multiply. So what did he do? He, he hardwires us with the desire to reproduce ourselves as human beings, to obey his command. Are you tracking with me? That, that's why you see mothers who have several kids, and they're just like, you know what? I can't do anymore. There's too many Cheerios on my floor. I can't find. Um, I don't have any clothes without spit up on them. Uh, if there's any young mothers in the room, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you have mothers like that, and, and they have older kids, and maybe they even get to, to mid-30s, 40s, and they're, they're raising teenagers, and they hold their friend's newborn baby. And they're holding that baby, and they're looking at that baby, and all of a sudden, everything they thought about, that they didn't want kids anymore, it goes away for a minute, and they look at their husband. And they give them that look. And you know what I'm talking about. And that's typically when the husbands look the other direction. They don't, they don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, and maybe that's the reason God blesses us with, with grandkids. Because that really never goes away. That wiring never goes away. So to help fulfill the desire, even when maybe we can't physically have kids, uh, God gives us grandkids. It's beautiful. But wanting to reproduce ourselves is ingrained in our DNA. It's the case in our physical DNA. So the question I have to you today is, is how did that get lost in our spiritual DNA? The, the desire within ourselves as Christians, as Christ followers, to want to reproduce ourselves. It's interesting. Jesus, right before he left the earth, he, he died. He was raised from the dead. The Bible records that he spent about 40 days on earth uh, before he went back up to heaven. And one of the last things he said to his disciples, the 12 guys who were sitting there and some of the others who had followed him, he said, make disciples. That was what he said. And making disciples was not just go out and, and start a church somewhere. Make disciples I mean I want you to make learners. I want you to make students. I want you to, to teach other people about me and help them grow. He, but what he was saying is I want you to reproduce yourself, what you've learned. Because Jesus spent three years with, with these guys, these 12 disciples. Um, Eleven actually made it out of there and graduated, so to speak. Um, he had spent three years kind of raising them up, helping them along to parenthood. And he said, I, I want you to reproduce yourself. FYI, that is a command that still has effect today. <laughs> that didn't go away. Uh, and if we're not careful, we will see making disciples, uh, being spiritual parents, growing to spiritual parenthood, and taking that command seriously. We, we will see that as an option. We, we'll see, you know, what we're really supposed to do is, is come to a church service once a week, or what we're really supposed to do is make sure we do these spiritual disciplines, whatever they happen to be, and, and then we look at the, the command to actually raise up other people and invest in other people's lives. We'll look at it as an option. It's a good one, and God bless you for doing it, but that's just not me. And we see it as an option and not something that Jesus, the Son of God, the resurrected Son of God at that, actually said. That was his words. going to talk about the parent stage today, and I, I want to mention two things that natural parents do, and then I want to talk about two habits that define spiritual parents. You ready? Everybody say ready. ready. All right, I want to mention the two natural things quickly. Natural parents reproduce. It's in our DNA. 
That's, it's what we do. We, we want it. We desire that. It's, it's hardwired within us. Natural parents also invest in their kids' development. We feed our kids. We love our kids. We clothe them, drive them to school. We care about their emotional health. We, we provide a home for them. And every parent in the room, and hopefully every person that has parents, which is everybody, right, will all say, that's an investment, right? And, and that's something that, that they do. Uh, these are things that natural parents do. So let's, let's talk about the, the spiritual parallels for spiritual parents. If natural parents reproduce themselves, spiritual parents, they share their faith. They reproduce themselves by sharing their faith that they have with other people, maybe that, that aren't as far along or aren't committed to Christ, and they share their faith. Now, if, that doesn't mean you walk around just quoting the Bible all day. I, I just want to debunk some myths today. Is that all right? Kind of just put that away for a minute uh, and kind of make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, there's, just this, there's just this thing that we think that if we share our faith, we have to be Bible scholars. And if we share our faith, then you know what? We have to be the most spiritual person in the room. Let me tell you something. It's, it's not about quoting Bible verses or sharing Bible stories. Sharing your faith is about living your faith out in such a way that you give God a good name when the opportunity presents itself. And spiritual parents are willing and they're ready to do that. The Apostle Paul, uh, towards the end of his ministry in the Bible, this is what he says, and this is, this is like a, a spiritual parent's heart. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says that life is worth nothing. Sounds like a depressed man, right? But listen, he says, unless, it's, it's worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And then he clarifies what it is. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. Spiritual parents, they have to share their faith. They, they look at their life as worth nothing unless they're sharing their faith. And it's because they have a good understanding that this life isn't the end. That there is an eternity waiting. And we're going to talk about eternity and and in another series we're doing coming up next. But they understand that there is this whole other life that God promised that he died to give us access to, and, and it's coming. And this earth, this time we have on earth, literally it's, it's, no, it's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And so spiritual parents have grasped this understanding for their own lives, and they've captured God's heart, and they know, you know what, this life is, is, is worth nothing if I just try to be selfish with it. I have to share my faith. I have to have God's heart. I have to, to pour out into other people. They're compelled to do this. It's not out of pride. Uh, they, don't, they don't preach to people out of hate because there's, there's infants in Christ that, that preach out of hate and make themselves appear to be more mature than they are, and they're not. Mature people means that they're getting closer and closer to the heart of God. You understand what I'm saying? And the heart of God is not condemnation. The word is very clear. But to, to pour themselves out, not out of pride, but because God has completely changed their lives for good, and they absolutely can't keep it quiet. I, I remember when I was a child and when I was a teenager, I cared about people. I, I was a relatively good kid, but I didn't typically go out of my way. But as a parent, man, I go out of my way to look for things that I can help my kids with. I'm, I'm like, you know, anticipating things so that I can help them. I'm, I'm looking for things through a different set of lenses as a parent, um, for their emotional health, for their psychological health. Well, whatever it is, um, it, it drives me to them. It drives me to intimate conversations with them. It drives me to just want to be with them sometimes. I mean, as a parent, I think through a different lens than I did as a teen or as a child. And as a spiritual parent, you feel the desire to be in tune with somebody else's spiritual health, whether it's somebody that you know, a family member, or just somebody that God puts in your life, and, and you look for ways to share your faith. And again, understand this is not always a Bible lesson, 
uh, that most of the time, spiritual parents share their faith by infusing their own God-inspired decisions that they make in their own lives through the topic at hand. Whatever it is that you're talking about, you, you just want to share what God has done in your life through that topic. And it's not pushy. God is not pushy. But God will sometimes rock our worlds, won't he? With, with truth. And so sometimes, just the topic at hand, spiritual parents are, are looking for a way um, to infuse the conversation with their, with their faith. I was getting my hair cut recently, uh, and, and I heard the guy next to me was, was getting married. Now, most of you know by now, I'm engaged, and I'm going to be married. Um, and so I couldn't help but listen in on what was going on. Uh, and I eventually said, hey, me, me too. Um, this guy was getting married at the time tomorrow. I was like, I'm not getting married tomorrow. Um, but the question came up uh, by the girl who's cutting my hair. How do you know she's the right one? Um, and, you know, how do you answer that? You know, you don't really... I said, <laughs> She just is, okay? You know, you know, how do you know, you know? But people want to know, how do you know? And I could tell the reason why she was asking was, what, what do you filter your, your decisions through? Because this is an intelligent person. I mean, she, she knows how to, how to pick somebody. How, how do you know she's the right one? And I had an opportunity right then. I said, well, can I be honest with you? You know, but this time everybody's listening. And uh, I said, a long time ago, I invited God into the conversation. And I can't explain it to you, but when you invite God in the conversation and you wait on him, you just know when he, when he, when he communicates to you. Um, and so was, was that the extent of it? No, that wasn't the extent of it. I, I, that was a scratch at the surface for spiritual parents. And I hope I get many more opportunities to talk that way. Um, but I was able to say, you know what, when, when you give your life to God in such a way that you want to listen and you wait on him, he'll speak and you'll hear. And God did. He did. He, he said it. Um, Spiritual parents, they, they live looking for opportunities like this. Sometimes it can be as simple as that. Other times it can be conversations where people are just drawn to you, and you're going to have deeper conversations. And spiritual parents, having gone through these stages of maturity, are well-equipped and they're ready. Um, they, they live for this kind of thing. They live for what Peter said uh, in the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says this, he said, Worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's somebody who is growing in Christ Jesus. And he says this, if somebody asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a way that's gentle and respectful. This means not only do spiritual parents know about this hope they have, but they're ready and they're excited to talk about it. They're ready. They don't look at it as a dread. They don't look at it as a, God, I hope nobody says anything to me, but if they do, God, give me the strength. You know, they're, they're ready. They're excited. They, they want to. Spiritual parents, they're, they're ready to share their faith. They're ready to share their faith. Natural parents, let's go to the next one. Natural parents invest in their kids' development. Spiritual parents mentor young believers. Spiritual parents look at people that are around them that are young believers in Christ, and they're ready and willing to mentor them. And we see this over and over in the Bible. This is not something that we make up. This is not something that just is good if you do. This is very much... Uh, this has scriptural ap application. Uh, over and over, we, we see things like this. Uh, you ever heard of a guy named Moses? Yeah, heard of him. Um, there's a guy named Elisha who was in the Old Testament, very powerful man of God. Um, and these were two people, Moses and Elisha, I'm just naming two, that, that God used in great ways that each of them had a spiritual parent that helped them along. When they were fully devoted, when they were following Christ or, or following God, but it was before they became fully mature. It was before they came into spiritual parenthood, they had somebody with them. They had somebody to help them. Um, Jesus was the master at this. He handpicked 12 people that were constantly getting it wrong. <laughs> they were constantly lacking in their faith. 
There was times when Jesus would look at them after he would just do this big miracle and the disciples would just put on face, think, yeah, we're with him. And then they'd get by themselves and they were like, what'd you just do? And he was like, look, are you still so dull? Like you don't get it still? Uh, and this happened, you know, years into it. And, and, and it happened this way. And by the time three years were up, uh, they had become spiritual parents. Eleven of them made it. Um, of course, Judas didn't make it. But 11 of these guys ended up being the guys that set the foundation for what grew into what we call the church today. I mean, God used them that way, that powerful, and yet they were, they were not grown up all the way. Jesus uh, parented them along. Paul in the New Testament did the same for young men in the faith. We see guys uh, named Timothy and guys named, uh, or Timothy and Titus, they, they were two guys. Um, they were pastors. God used them in powerful ways. But there was a guy named Paul. A lot of the New Testament writings come from him. He parented them along. He said this uh, to, to Pastor Titus in a letter. He said, listen, a normal part of the church is going to be for the older men to teach the younger men. He said, make sure this is happening in your church. He said, make sure that the older women, the, the godly women in Christ, are teaching the younger women. He said, this is not something that is just going to happen by happenstance or would be good if it did. He, he, they had the implications that if this doesn't happen, then the church will fail. There has to be spiritual parents in the house that are helping the younger ones along. He, he's talking about establishing spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And just like in the natural world, we need, we need natural parents. Um, this is probably the greatest need in the church, is for spiritual parents to come alongside younger believers and help them along in their faith. And I would, I would say, I don't feel like it's just for the American church, just for the churches in the U.S. Pastor Jim Wall, uh, our senior pastor at the bridge, he's currently serving in Princeton. Um, he was a missionary for years and started a, a network to help churches grow. And part of that influence reached into other countries. Uh, El Salvador was one. He went down and, and there were some pastors that wanted to meet with him. They wanted him to bring that network and that influence down into El Salvador. And while he was there in El Salvador, they had a meeting, and there were five of the largest churches, their pastors met with them. And I'm not talking large churches, 500. I'm talking thousands of, of, of members in one of these churches. Five of those types of pastors got together, and they said, we want the Acts 2 network in El Salvador. We want that influence here. We, you, we want you to help us. And he said, your, he said, your churches are larger than most churches in the entire world. He said, what in the, you need to be teaching us. Like, you need to be helping us. Why do you want us to come here and, 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 and do that? And he said, the, the guy who said it started to tear up. And he said, that, that doesn't happen in that culture for a man in that type of position in that culture to start to tear up in public and, and make his emotions known like that. And he started to fight tears, and he started to look into his eyes. And he said, we have our churches. He said, we have our, our structures. He said, but we are orphans. He said, we need spiritual fathers. And he said, I sense that you're a spiritual father. And he said, and I sense that the people that are going to be with you that you'll bring to help us are spiritual fathers as well. We, we need spiritual fathers. We need spiritual mothers. We need spiritual parents in the church. And I'm not talking any specific name of a church. I'm talking God's people. We're all growing in our faith. And we need, we need parents. We need people that are further along. We need people that have reached the stage of spiritual parenthood to not just sit back and enjoy, but to actually get in there and find their enjoyment and their encouragement and their, and their, their, their significance in doing what Jesus said, doing what the need is. 
And that's helping other people along. In the Bible, Paul understood that this was the greatest need too. He, he said, in fact, to the Corinthian church, who was a, a church that was uh, plagued by sin. Uh, Corinth was like a, a sailor's town. It was stuck in between two uh, big bodies of water, and it was a big trade route. And so sailors from all over the place, trading ships, they'd, they'd pull in there. And Corinth was like party town. And it was just plagued with all kinds of sin that you could ever imagine. And they started a church there. Paul wrote two letters to them. And this is what he said to them in, in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, look, and you, you, you may have had 10,000 teachers in Christ. I sense there was a little facetiousness there. But he said, you haven't had many fathers. He said, but through the good news, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I became your father in Christ Jesus. He's saying, so I'm begging you, follow my example. Follow my example. So you've had so many teachers, people that can teach you about the Bible. Back then they didn't have what, what we have the Bible today, but they had the writings of the Old Testament. And he said, you have so many people that can teach you about these things, but you don't have spiritual fathers. And, and if you look back to the, the original language then, that he wrote in, which was Greek, the word teachers meant one who passes along information. Somebody who's teaching you, they're passing along information. When he said the word father, what he meant was, and this is what the original word means, one who infuses his own spirit into another. There's a difference in somebody who simply passes along information, which could be the time, <laughs> and somebody who infuses their spirit into somebody else. I've had lots of teachers in my life. So have you. Most of us in here have gone through at least 12 years of school. Maybe some of you have gone to college. You've had lots of passers along uh, of, of information, good information. I've learned a lot from a lot of smart people in my life, but I've had very few people in my life who, long after the information had been passed, a part of them is still with me. These are people who have parented me spiritually. These are people, when I look back, I go, I am who I am because of them, and I'm grateful for them. This is what those pastors in El Salvador are longing for. It's what Paul is talking to this church in Corinth. He's saying, I I'm instructing you, man. You have to do this. If you don't, the church is at stake. That the spiritual parents would step up and help others along to share their faith and mentor young believers. And I, I just got to say this. Did you know that every single believer is called to grow and go to spiritual parenthood? It it's not an exclusive club. <laughs> It's not something only reserved for people who have graduated Bible college or, or people that have certain areas that they're gifted in. The call to be a spiritual parent is for every fully devoted follower of Christ. And, and this is what it is, to grow personally and to bring somebody else along. To grow personally and to bring somebody else along. It's not a special gifting. Uh, I, I think about the spiritual mothers and fathers who have had an impact on my journey through, through the years, and their personalities and their giftings, they're a vast range and everything in between. Some of them who are extremely kind of extroverted, they're out there, they're just very charismatic and, and spunky, you know, they're just, they don't mind, they've never met a stranger. Other, others of them are completely introverted. <laughs> you wouldn't, they'd rather serve in the background. Some people you'd probably see on a stage, other people you would never see. And those are the people who have, who have parented me spiritually. You don't have to graduate from, from some school or, or be able to stand on a stage to be a spiritual parent. You know, the common trait of all of them is they're all highly motivated to reproduce themselves by investing in somebody else and helping somebody else grow spiritually, whether it's one person at a time or whether it's 10 at a time. And at times, me by myself was the equivalent to 10 at a time because they, they knew I was a handful. But they just want to help other people along. That's what spiritual parents do. 
Can, can I just, can we just dream for a minute? I, I just want to show you the, the potential of the impact that if we really grasped this, spiritual parents in the house, if we really understood this, the, the very practical impact that it could have on the Bridge Church. And I'm just going to take the Bridge Church because this is, this is who we are right, right here. But I, I want you to think about this. Across all three of our, our locations, uh, there's about 2,300 people that call the Bridge Church home. That means that's not how many people we have on, on Sundays, but if you, our reach goes out to where if you talk to people and they said, yeah, the Bridge Church is my home, um, you, the reach is probably about 2,300 people. Uh, and that's, that's tracked, and that's something that, that we can say with confidence. Um, not about numbers, but I'm, I'm playing with numbers here just to make a point. Um, we know that 184 people said yes to Jesus Christ today. That means about 7 or 8% of that 2,300 people are infants in Christ. We, they've just said yes to Jesus Christ so far this year. If that's you, I'm glad you're here. We're all glad you're here. I speak on behalf of myself and the, the executive team and our senior leadership team and this whole entire church. We are glad you're here. That's what this is all about. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure about the numbers, about the teen and the adult stage, but th this is where I want to dream a minute. And I'm going to say this conservatively. Let's just say 10% of our church are spiritual parents. Let's say there's 230 people in our church across all of our locations that are spiritual parents. Now that could be more, but I want to be conservative and say, say 10%. Now, if we take the Jesus model, which was recruit 12, graduate 11. <laughs> Judas didn't make it. Um, but if we recruit 12, graduate 11, that's called the, the, the Jesus model. What if those 230 parents, again, a conservative number, said, you know what, I'm going to take seriously taking other people along with me. I, I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to take seriously. I'm not, it's not going to be something that I think is an option or something that I think would be good, but I'm actually going to take what God has done in my life and because he's done so much in me, I am going to turn around and I am going to help raise somebody else up. I'm not going to be, you know, responsible for them all through life, but I am going to help somebody else go to the next level. In fact, I'm going to take the Jesus model and I'm going to recruit 12 and, and graduate 11. <laughs> and, and let's just say those 11 people, by the influence that you have in their lives, they all go up one stage. Maybe they're a seeker and you help somebody cross that line of faith or you help somebody that's an infant in Christ move to a teen or a teen to an adult. And let's just assume, again, playing with numbers here, this isn't theology or scripture. This is just Pastor Ryan having an honest conversation. Let's just assume that the, the 230 spiritual parents, out of that 11, one of those is, is, a, is a, a, an adult that's getting ready to move into spiritual adulthood. And out of that 11, just one person moved to spiritual parent. And, and let's say they took a year to do that, which is very possible. That means every single year, if, if they did this every year, those 230 that we started with would be 460 the next year. And then they take those 460 and they do the same thing. And every year, those spiritual parents, they're actually doubling. This sounds like a weird pyramid scheme, I know, but I want you to listen to the, the very practical aspect of it. If we did what Jesus said do, if we did what Paul's instructions were, if we did what the Bible said... And just one person, if we took one person that was a spiritual adult and we helped them go to spiritual parenthood, we could double the amount of spiritual parents in this church every single year. And you know what that means? And this is, again, I'm dreaming, I'm playing with numbers. Thank you for bearing with me. That means in five years, listen, based on the, the, the numbers that we have, we'd have over 73,000 fully devoted Christians moving forward to the next stage growing to the next stage of spiritual maturity. That sounds like a crazy number, doesn't it? And I, I'm not trying to hype you up with numbers. I'm simply using 
relevant information to show you the potential of what God could do with spiritual parents if we were willing to invest in other people. That's a reality. Those aren't numbers we just pulled out of thin air. They're based on concrete numbers. Some of them we're dreaming about, but conservatively. Let me tell you this, because some of that might sound like just pure craziness, but I, I want you to think about something. According to research done last year, there are over 70,000 people in Wayne County alone who said that they've never been to a church service. Never darken the doors of a church. They're all around us. Do, do you realize the potential of the reach that we could have if we got serious and really just, you know, not became crazy fanatics, but we just took the words of Jesus Christ and we actually did it. We said, I I'm going to be intentional about taking one person to the next stage. The spiritual parents in the house and everybody in between, we're all, we're all commanded to help other people, help other people grow. You know, I, what could God do in our lives <laughs> if, if we actually did that? If we got serious about growing to maturity ourselves, and then as we reach spiritual parenthood, bringing those 11 or 12 people along, and we already have a structure to facilitate it. You heard Cassie talk about it. I talked about it uh, last week and, and maybe a month ago too. Bridge groups. Th these are groups that are designed to have about 12 to 15 people in them. So where we can sit down in smaller groups of people and help one another grow. It's a very simple thing. Is it the only way? No, but it's one of the ways to help other people grow, to help other people take that next step, to get involved in relationships with each other. You can sign up for those now, all through the month of September. Uh, we have nine groups uh, that come from our Goldsboro location. So when you go on the website, you're going to see 40-something groups, but you'll see Goldsboro. The ones that say Goldsboro, and those are the ones from our, from our location. Um, but if, if each bridge group here, let's just use the bridge group, if each bridge group had 10 people in it and they helped one person reach spiritual parenthood and everybody else in the group is moving, those numbers, they wouldn't just be numbers. They would be stories. They would be stories of faith. They would be stories of families being healed. They would be stories of healings happening. They would be stories of all kinds of things. And I just got you to know that there is no shortage of the people that need and want to grow. That's not where the shortage is. There, there are people all around us. The, the spiritual parent is the person who has reached the level of spiritual maturity in Christ so that they're looking and longing and to see people around them to help them grow. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's plenty of people that, that God wants to bring in. He said, but the laborers are few. And I just want to challenge you, no matter where you're at on the journey, would you be somebody that's willing to say, I want to grow to the next level, and if you're a spiritual parent in the room, are you willing to take God's command seriously and say, I, I want to help invest in somebody else's life to help them get to the next place? Because I think that the reality is what Paul said in, to the Ephesian church in chapter 4, verse 12. He said this to the spiritual parents. He said their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Listen, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we're, we're not going to be any longer immature like children. We're not going to be tossed and, and blown about by every wind of teaching. In other words, we're not going to be tricked. So we're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. But instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now that sounds like what the church was originally supposed to be. 
And that sounds like what we need to be doing. And sometimes I think we just need to ask forgiveness for veering a little bit. Sometimes veering a lot. Thinking that the church is this room right here. <laughs> with the lights and the elements that we use. Guys, this is nothing in the Bible about that stuff. This is just stuff that we use here because we like it and it's comfortable. And if I'm being quite honest with you, it's a big drawing card that we can get people here to, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really it. I hope, we hope you hear encouragement here. We hope you love it here. But just sitting here for an hour a week or so is not going to take you to another step in Christ. It's not. What the Bible says, if we would adhere to it, what we've talked about today, that's, that's what's going to do it. And for this to be a reality, the spiritual parents have to step up. And everybody else has to be honest about assessing where you're at. Last week, we got a, a what we're calling a CMAT, a Christian Maturity Assessment Tool. Um, and if you didn't get one of those, we want you to get one today. And what those are, it's just a quick tool that you can use, and you can fill it out. There's some columns in there for you to write some numbers down besides some questions, just to get an honest assessment about where you are. We want you to take that. It's, it's not just something we want you to take and look at. We want you to, to actually use this. It's what this series has been all about. And say, am I going to be honest with myself about finding out where I am? Because you can't grow to the next place until you know where you're currently at. And once you know where you're currently at, you can take some very specific steps and some goals, make some goals very specifically that are time sensitive to actually take you to a next step. This is not, this is not fun and games. This is not something that would be cool if, if you know, Pastor Ryan is kind of neat. This is something that the Bible says do, not to take a test, but it says grow. And I'm glad we serve at a church that will put some resources together for you, not just to preach at you a little bit and let you go, but actually put tools in your hands so that you can actually do what it is that we're saying the Bible says do. And I just want to ask you today, would, would you be serious about that? Would you be serious about doing that? Spiritual parents, would, would you be serious about taking what God's Word says, not just as Pastor Ryan's opinion or something that's, that's neat and trendy, but would you be serious about, if, if I'm a spiritual parent, am I willing, would you be serious about say, asking yourself these questions? Am I willing to actually do what the Bible says and invest in somebody else and bring them up? We talked about some crazy fun numbers, and that's all they'll be as long as spiritual parents sit and do nothing. But if we'll take the words of Jesus, I, I just got to believe that there'll be more than numbers. We'll have stories of faith and God's church will grow in a way that he intended. Can we pray together? I, I want to pray. I know some of that was heavy today and I'm not going to apologize for any of it <laughs> because I'm, I'll never apologize for God's word. Sometimes it's a little heavier than others, but I, I want to tell you, you've got a church and you have a pastor here that is not ashamed to stand here and tell you the truth and love. And I hope that's how you always take it because that's how it all, I always mean it. But I want to pray together, and I want to challenge you um, for spiritual parents and for everybody else who's listening in the room to grow to the next place. Let's, let's pray. God, your, your word is amazing. I said amazing. I, I don't have the word to be able to describe the life that your instructions give. Your, your word in in the Old Testament talks about your decrees and your word, it, it's, it's life-giving, giving life to bones, I mean, giving, giving light to the eyes. It, it uses all this description to talk about what your word actually does in our lives. It revives us. 
It challenges us. Sometimes it steps on our toes. But God, if, if we're in the room today and, and any of us, myself included, have kind of dumbed down what the church is supposed to be to come into a, a service an hour a week and, and somehow we have just lost what it is your word actually says we're supposed to be doing as, as fully devoted followers, God, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, and secondly, I, I just pray a bold prayer. Tap us on the shoulder and get us moving, God. Show us. I, 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 I just pray right now, Lord, that we wouldn't take this and, and somehow wait for you to speak something into our lives that you've already spoken to us through your word. Maybe make it more clear. But God, we're not asking you to do this for us. We're asking you to show us the right way, and then we're going to put some feet to this. Lord, I pray for the spiritual parents in the room. Thank you for spiritual parents. I, I am so thankful that you have poured into these folks' lives and they have invested in you and invested in other people to the point that, that they are at the, the, the level of maturity they are capable, Lord, of turning around and helping others along. I, I pray, God, that the, the, the empowerment that only you can give would come into their lives right now in an even greater way than it already has. Because I know the spiritual parents in the room, they, they've been through some stuff. They, they've been through some hardships and gotten through it and come out on the other side stronger. I know that about spiritual parents. And I, I pray, God, that the empowerment that you give them will be even stronger than they've ever had before for the purpose, God, of turning around and helping other people along. Lord, so that they can, they can through your word and, and, and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, open other people's eyes to see, Lord, where they are and help them get to that next place in you. Give them patience, Lord. Give them endurance, God. Lord, I pray that you'd give them, a, a, I would even say, a, a stubbornness to stay in there in despite of, of hardships and despite um, the, the difficulties of parenthood. Natural parents have difficulties, God, but the joys far outweigh the difficulties. I pray, God, that we would see that in, as being spiritual parents as well. There's eternal blessings and eternal joy at stake here. Lord, I pray for everybody else in the room as we end this series, God, that you, Lord, wouldn't allow us to walk out of here and just take what we've learned and it just be some other messages and some, some you know, trendy thing, but you would just tap us on the shoulder, God, convict our hearts. Don't let us be comfortable trying to, to think we're something good just because we do a few things, but Lord, show us that we're nothing without you. And the joy of a relationship with you as we walk with you and as you show us things and as, you, as, as we face difficulties and you show us how to get through them, not survive them, not sweep them under the rug, but actually walk through our hardships with you by our side. Lord, I, I pray for every believer in this room that we would find the joy of walking with you and growing in you. In Jesus' name. Lord, if there's anybody in the room here today that doesn't know you, they haven't crossed that line of, of faith and, and given their lives to you, I just, I pray, I pray right now, church, if that's you, if there's somebody in the room here that would say, I need God and I, I have not given him my life. So I want to tell you, today's the day. You have not come here by accident. And I'm not saying these words by accident. This is God speaking to you. And only you can know right now in your heart. And if God's calling you, if you feel that, that tug in your heart, I want you to, to just know right now, that's, that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come to me. And, and I'm asking you to pray this bold prayer with me. God, I need you. And I, I say, yes. If I could have fixed my life, I would have done it already. I, I feel you calling me and I say yes now. 
Your word says, believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that I need you, I'm a sinner, and that you are the Son of God. And I do that. I need you. I am not perfect. I have fallen short of your standard, which is perfection. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for me, and he rose again for me. And I thank you. I want to live my life for him. I want to live my life for you. I don't know what all that means, God, but I trust you. I'm going to aim my heart at you. Show me my next steps in Jesus' name.